Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Well, I was thinking, what do we do for the new year? How do we start? What am I going to talk about? So turn to Luke 22, and we're going to talk about communion. We're going to talk about the Lord's table, and you see we have communion here. So what better way to start a new year than to have the, the idea of communion with God, to have this be kind of a foundation that we are going to start from and develop. It, it really is at the heart. The, the Lord's table is the place where we have interaction with God and with one another. It, it is the thing that helps remove the barriers. When you sit down and eat with somebody, even if they're in a a different political mindset or a different religious mindset, you can sit down and enjoy good food together, right? I, I love some of my richest memories are those holidays where especially my grandmother, she would make a feast for Christmas. I mean, it was just like seven different types of fish If you don't like fish, I'm sorry, Um, but it was amazing. It was just incredible, and we would eat, and we would talk, and we would debate, and it would get heated, and my wife would ask, what's wrong with your family? And I'd be like, what? What are you talking about? I don't know. It was just kind of the Italian in us or something. We're we're not yelling. We're just talking passionately, Um, but something around the table changes in your interaction as you eat together and receive life from that food together, it affects you. And so in Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 14, and when the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup is that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. You know, as you start out the new year, there's kind of a big question, at least for me. It's like, when am I going to get my life together? And the answer is not 2020. It's just an ongoing thing. But if you're like me, it's just like, man, does it always got to be so difficult 
Is there always going to be so much turmoil? Are the lights all the way up or can we turn the lights? Someone turn the... It just seems a little dim in here. There we go. Okay. I can see you now. That's good. Unless you want to lower whatever you want, babe. You're, you're. But I think the question that I want to ask of us is, how is God going to work his way into our everyday lives? How is God going to show up in my frustration, in my anxiety, in my fear, in my hurt? in my pain? How is God going to show up in my life when I'm stuck in traffic, when I'm going home to sick kids again, when I'm dealing with loss, when I'm having to face problems and pressures at work? How is God going to show up in my life at those times? And the answer is that God inserts himself into our chaotic, crazy, and busy lives and into this world through us. Through our bodies, he enters our lives. The question then is, how does he enter our bodies? And body is the totality of who we are. It's the physical, it's the emotional, it's the spiritual. How does God enter in? to our bodies. And that's the mystery of the Lord's table. That's what this is really about. Through the bread, through the cup, we make ourselves available to God saying, yes, we recognize this and we partake and we participate in the work of God. This scene as they come into the room, I imagine that there's the terracotta lamps. The, the room was already prepared, so there, it's lit because it's evening time. And so you can imagine the, the lamps that are the flame lighting up, kind of that soft orange glow in the room. There's a table that's on the floor because that's where they had tables. And there's cushions all around the table because they would lean on the cushion, recline on one elbow, and use their hand to engage the food on the other with on the table. There was probably seating planned out. Jesus probably had place, probably didn't have cards like at weddings, right? It wasn't like, okay, number seven, that's me. I go over here. It was probably just, hey, this is where you sit. This is where you sit. This is where you sit. Because that was pretty prominent in that culture. At least that's what I'm imagining. There was a, a jar of water and a large water basin by the door because that's where the servants would wash the feet of the people who came in as they came in because walking the dirty roads, their feet would be dirty. It was this their way of trying to create the atmosphere. It's like you go to a place to eat and they have the napkins or they give you the hot towels if you need you know, to get your hands clean or something like that or they bring you your water and lemon but no straw. You know, the, those kinds of things. It, it's just how things were that they probably didn't even... that was probably invisible, a lot of those things to them. Not that it was physically invisible, but it was just so common that they figured it was going to be there. It didn't even matter because it was always there. And as everyone finds their place and sits down, Jesus stands up 
And we know this from, again, the different gospel accounts on the Passover. He takes off his outer robe, hangs it up. He takes a towel and he goes and he starts washing the disciples' feet. And this is awkward. Not because, like for us, someone washing my feet would be awkward, right? But because for them, their rabbi, their teacher is washing their feet. It would be like going to Mother's Day for lunch and your mom gets up and starts bussing tables. Mom, what are you doing? We're here to get, you know, we're here for you. Don't bust the tables. It's okay. If they're having problems, they get, it would just be weird, right? It was like, Mom, sit down. What are you doing? And it was that way so much we know that Peter said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. He's probably thinking, these guys are blowing it. This is my chance to let him know, Jesus not my feet, Lord, you will not do that. But Jesus tells him, you don't get it yet. I'll make the point clear later on, but I need to do this. And so he does, he washes their feet, and then he tells them that this is an example. This is a living example for them to follow. If I am your Lord and I wash your feet, what should you do? This is how you're supposed to live. You're supposed to serve each other, care for each other, be humble, be a servant. So many times we are hurt because of our ego, right? Oh, I can't believe they would say that to me or, or they took me for granted or, or they did this. And we've talked about this before. I can't believe that guy cut me off. He didn't cut you off. He was just trying to get out. You just were in the way. It wasn't personal. He didn't say, there's Sam, I'm going to cut him off. All right? But that's what it feels like. Why? Because my ego, what would happen if we were servants and we were humble and we didn't have that other mindset? Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Now, loving others is not the new commandment. The scripture said that they were to love their neighbor as themselves. The new commandment is that they are to love one another as he has loved them, right? Because if he says, I want you to love people as you love yourself, and you say, well, I kind of hate myself right now, so should I hate other people? No, the new commandment is you're to love them as I love you. And so now there is a model that we follow, So even if you hate yourself, which you shouldn't, you are to love as he loved. And his love serves and it sacrifices. When it was time to finally eat, Jesus gives them a little speech, comments, kind of like a toast. It's a little prayer before they would eat. But his language here is extremely strong. He says, I have earnestly desired. Another translation says, with all my heart, I have longed. Another still says, I have longed with passion and desire. Another one says, you have no idea how much I have looked forward to. And still another, with great desire, 
I desire to eat. It's actually a Hebrew idiom that is used here where he uses two words. The word desire, he uses it twice. It's to compound, it's to build, it's to kind of snowball the effect of how much it means. He's saying, I have lusted, I have lusted to have Passover meal with you. It is something I've been thinking about, something I've been waiting for, something that I could not wait for this time. I waited, I've waited, I've desired, I desired to have this meal with you. And so there's this anticipation, this purpose that he's doing this. Every year, the Hebrew people would gather together to celebrate this meal, to, to, remembrance their deliver, to remember their deliverance from Egypt. There was urgency now in Jesus' words and his actions to eat this meal with them, but something important was happening, and this meal was now part of what is happening. This is something that's transitioning who he is with them. He says, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. It was no longer just looking back to an event, but it was also looking forward to the consummation of all God's promises being fulfilled. This is something that we not only remember, but it's something that also helps us to see forward that God is working and God is promising and God is still doing. I won't eat this again with you until then. He's not saying I never will. He's saying I will again. Then things change. And I imagine there's a pause. I imagine his voice changes. His countenance changes, the tone, the expressions on his face. And he says, one of you is going to betray me. Talk about bummer, right? We're here to have a celebration and he throws this on us. And they all start saying, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it me? They all are asking, Lord, surely it's not me. And then Jesus, he doesn't say, Lord, he asks, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus says, you've said it. And so now the mood has changed. This feast, this festival that they're supposed to happen is having this dark cloud over it because this news that one of them is a Judas. One of them is betraying them. The Seder blessing would have been something like this as he's getting ready to take the cup and break the bread. We thank you, almighty God, for the fruit of the vine. Thank you for the holy days and thank you for sustaining our lives that we could be here to celebrate another Passover together. And he took the loaf of bread with his hands, those probably calloused hands as a carpenter or a stonemason those same hands that touched and healed a blind man, that touched and healed a person who was lame, the same hands that picked up children and sat with them and blessed them. Those same hands now break the bread, those same hands that were going to be nailed to the cross. And he says, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's not the script. That's not what we had remembered. That's not how we celebrate the Passover. You're changing things on us. And you're changing them dramatically. It's no longer 
just about Israel's oppression in Egypt and about their deliverance through the mighty signs of God. Jesus is saying, from now on, do this and remember me. This is what you used to remember. Now I want you to remember something else. But what does it mean, this is my body, right? Jesus is saying, from now on, remember me, this is my body broken for you. I'm sure they were puzzled, but no one said anything because every time they did say something, they got it wrong. You know, they say, Lord, let's build a tabernacle for you. No, that's not what's happening here. And so they're just like, what's going on? No one speaks up and they're just kind of going with it. But you know, they're trying to figure this out. And so instead of remembering the Passover, remember this. What does that mean? And, And the word remember is different than just a recollection. I remember the good old days. It's not just something that you think about and recall. This isn't only a recollection, but it's an experience. It's the here and now, what happened there and then. In other words, we're going to reenact what happened there and then, here and now. Just recently, my daughter went to Disneyland her and her fiance, and she did it because she wanted to remember my mom, her grandma. And so she didn't just remember her, she went and did something that they did together. And it was a very emotional time as she remembered and reenacted all the things going through the store. And there would be Nana, like, don't buy that because I get a discount, right? She'd be like, kind of, making sure that everyone got their discount. I mean, it didn't, I bought an ice cream one time. It's like, did you, I, I could have got a discount. Sorry, you weren't here. I wanted the ice cream. <laughs> but there was a reenactment of what had happened that brought the there and then to the here and now. And so when Jesus is saying, remember, he's saying, take what's happening right here, right now with you in the future. And that's exactly what we're doing, right? That's what's happening here with the table. The, the here and now is participating with the there and then. It's not just thinking about it. It's being a part of it. Paul wrote that we proclaim, we actually preach the Lord's death until he returns when we participate in this. That you are preaching, whether you knew it or not. Everyone here is a preacher today. You're proclaiming something here and now that happened there and then. You're involved with it. We aren't just thinking about it. We are taking our place with something much bigger. And he took the cup of wine and Jesus has talked about cups before. Cups are something that we see throughout Jesus' ministry. We see that it's good to give a cup of cold water to someone in need. He tells the Pharisees that they're hypocrites, that they wash the outside of the cup instead of the inside, but they need to worry about what's inside because that's what matters. We see that James and John came to Jesus at one time and say, Jesus, will you give us whatever you want? Sounds like my granddaughter. (laughs) Will you give me what I ask for? It's like, and he says, what do you want? They say, we want to sit at your right hand and at your left hand when your kingdom is established. And Jesus said, are you able to drink the cup 
that I am going to drink of. And there in their enthusiasm said, yeah, we can. And I imagine him just looking at them, knowing their future, said, you will drink of that cup, but it's not mine to give. We see Jesus in the garden praying. And like any of us, when we are filled with grief, he's praying for deliverance. And he says, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass for me, but not my will, your will be done. And so the cup is meaning something more. Even when the Roman soldiers came to arrest them and Peter took his sword and cut off the guy's ear. I'm sure he meant for more than just an ear, but he got the ear and then Jesus healed him. I always wondered why did Jesus heal him? I imagine Peter could have gotten in trouble if the guy's ear was cut off. And then the guy, he cut my ear off. Where is it? It's here. <laughs> well, that does not cut off then. It's okay. But Jesus told Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not take the cup that my father has for me? And so the cup isn't just this chalice. It isn't something that you just drink from. The cup that he has is something that is much more. This cup that he's holding in his hand is most likely something that's common. It was something that was set there on the table beforehand by the people who had the place where they were eating at. And it's interesting because they have found a number of cups from that era with an inscription on them. There's some in the museum. There's a couple in a museum in Ohio. There's some in Italy. There's some in Syria. There's some in Great Britain. And the inscription on them is rejoice. That is why you're here. And so it's kind of like a toast. Rejoice, that's why you're here. And it would be on a lot of the cups they had. It was their way of celebrating. Hey, we're celebrating something. Rejoice, that's why you're here. What's interesting is when Judas came to Jesus at the meal before he was going to go and betray him, Jesus said these exact words to Judas, except he changed the word rejoice and said friend. When he said he was going to Go and go out, he said, friend, that is why you're here. Lord, is it me? That's why you're here. It's kind of chilling, kind of haunting. Is it possible that the cup he is holding had that inscription? And he tells Judas, friend, that is why you're here. And I don't know what's more chilling, the fact that he said, that's why you're here, or that he called him friend, who would betray him. The cup he had said was filled with his blood poured out for them. The bread was a new commandment, the cup a new covenant. But how? Again, they go along with it, right? You're not supposed to drink blood, but he said this before. It's hard to figure Jesus out. He always says these things that we don't quite understand. I wonder if when they were drinking it, they're like, I think it's just wine. You know, I don't think it's blood. But there's something going on and they're not fully understanding. But whether they knew it or not, this marked a time when they were his forever. I I read a meme someone posted that says, there was a day when you said goodbye to your friends and you never played with them again. I thought, how sad, (laughs) right? There was a time when he sat with his disciples, had this with them, and they were his forever. 
And now, I've intentionally tried not to preach a sermon, but to tell a story. To just give account of events that happened. And the reason is, I don't want you to think, well, what did I learn today at Genesis, right? What am I supposed to do? What new practice do I need to begin doing every week to to be a better Christian? Whatever this morning is about, it all happens here at the table. This is what's going to preach to us. This is what we are going to listen to and communicate with. Christianity has never been about rules and doing them to the best of our abilities. It's never been about getting your beliefs in order and having your doctrine right. It's never been about that. It has always been about God getting his life inside of us. That's what it's about. And isn't that what we want? It's what I want. I want the life of God inside of me. This morning, my grandson came over like seven o'clock, I think it was. He came over early. I was up, but I hear him and I hear him coming. Well, his mom brought him, right? He, wasn't, he didn't come by himself, but I heard him and, and I just, my heart was just full of joy. And I go and I see him and he's real shy in the morning, right? I see him and he goes like this. He kind of curls down and I just go and I just grab him and I just like, oh, I'm going to get you. I want to squeeze you. I just love you. I just want to eat him up. What does that mean? I just, I want where he is and where I am to, to disappear. I want it to be us. I want to hold on to him. I want to love on him. I just, I feel him and I just want to kiss him and I want to hold him and I just want to consume him. That's what we have the opportunity to do with God. To be consumed and to consume him. I want to consume this. I I want it to be so deeply inside of me that I can't distinguish between God and myself. Even as Randy's saying, that's what God does. Why can't we? I I want it to be indistinguishable, the difference between us. I I want to take Jesus so deeply inside that wherever I go, he goes, that I never lose, never am separated from him, that it's a part of my life and how I love my grandson and how I interact with the people, with the homeless guy who's saying crazy things to me, right? I want to interact with people in a way that Jesus is with me and present in all of it and through all of it. And I know why people say that those that they love deeply who have died are still with them because in some mysterious way, they are. You feel it, you sense it. That's almost biological. And Jesus says, I want you to take me inside. I want to be deeper than your thoughts. I want to penetrate the shell of who you are. I want to be there in the loneliness of your soul, a presence with you all the time, everywhere. I want what happens here and now to be a fully present moment for us, 
I want to be here and now for Jesus, with Jesus, receiving Jesus. I always liked watching kids after the communion service at churches, especially when they had all those little small plastic cups and all the little, you know, bread. The kids would come afterwards and they would just eat it, right? You'd see them like taking shots of grape juice, right? They're just like, do, do, do. They just can't get enough of it. They got it right. We get a little cracker and a little drink and we think that's it. No, they're like, no, I want more. I want to consume all of this. I want to make it a meal. I want to eat it until it fills me. Because a little cracker is not enough to fill me, but a big God is. And that's what we're moving towards. I want to experience that night, the new commandment, the new covenant, the new life. I I want that for myself. I want this for us. I want it to shape our identity And we're going to receive this now and know that God is in you. And as long as you live, Jesus is with you. What we're going to do is I'm going to have you just go up and take a cup and the bread and come back to your seat because we're going to partake of this together. And so go ahead and do this right now. Maybe we have the front row. We'll do this in an orderly fashion, no pushing or shoving. But everyone go, there's a table here and a table there. I'm so glad you guys are here today to be able to celebrate this with you all. And as you go back to your seat, I want you to sit with the thought of this, that you are participating here and now with what happened there and then. I want you to close your eyes and just imagine how things were at that time as you picture the disciples sitting, hearing these words that we just heard from Jesus himself and imagine him saying these words to us as well. I want this moment to be as much as it can to us. I want us to realize that There is a reality that God can dwell within our lives, within our bodies, that the way God shows up to a broken world is in us. Paul wrote that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember Remembrance is more than just thinking, it's participating. It's recounting with our lives. May you recognize the love of God for you, body broken for us. May it be an example of how we live in this world by loving, by caring, by giving. And as we eat together, remember, we are participating with the work of God in our lives. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. May we preach what is in us. And may what's in us be the life of God that changes us and those around us. Let's partake together. I'm going to have Randy come up and lead us in a song, but I want you to be silent right now in what is happening. I want you to connect yourself with the words of Jesus, what he said all those years ago, and what he's saying to us now. What he is inviting us to do, to be. And even as his disciples from this moment on were his forever, the same is true for you. The same is true for me. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The life of God that is found in Jesus is given to us as we receive from him. May it enrich our lives. May the life of God fill us even as the food we eat even with what we drink. May we be forever changed because God is so close that he affects everything about us. And may you find hope and strength in Jesus' words that he is with you even to the end. May you receive comfort and comfort those who are in need. And may we have an incredible new year. Amen. God bless you guys. Edmund, amazing. If you want to purchase Edward's painting, you can, and he'll put some other ones out there um, if you've got some of your other stuff. Yeah, and if you want to just talk to him and find out how do you do that. Um, God bless you guys. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here with us this new year. Let's make 2020 amazing. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.